Amen. Thank you, Mide, Pastor January. And good morning, everybody. Good morning, Evergreen Online. Are we okay? We can hear me? Okay. I have a few announcements for us uh, before we kind of dive into the sermon uh, this morning. Uh, The pandemic continues to make an impact on us, and the Omicron surge has made it so that now, as everyone probably knows, and Mide and Pastor Shirley alluded to, um, there there are just so many people who have been infected and affected this holiday season by the surge. For those of us who are students in education um, or with school-aged children, I'm sure you are adjusting to whatever changes the school district or your uh, campus has made uh, for right now. Um, and if you're one of the, cur- the people who are currently battling COVID or are in quarantine because of uh, exposure, then we just really pray for your health and your recovery right now. As the staff considered the impact of the current surge, we decided that it was the wisest to actually switch our services to live stream only right now for the month of January. We, also, we have also transitioned all of our indoor programming, all of our indoor gatherings to either outdoor or to uh, be online exclusively. And this limits unnecessary risk, I think, for all of us right now. And even as the vaccines have, have really proven to, to keep us safe uh, during a lot of this pandemic over the past few months, uh, we just really feel like this is the best thing for our congregation. Now, we're currently running our, our services with a skeleton crew, so thank you to our worship arts and our tech team uh, who continue to take what we do in here and bring it into each of our homes every Sunday. But right now, we're especially thankful because of the higher risk, because of the Omicron surge, all those that are, that are helping to bring our services into your homes. I'm just really grateful for Uh, We've also divided our staff half and half so that if we get sick or exposed this week, then the the other team can come in next week with, you know, without too much uh, obstacle. Uh, These are really crazy times, and here we are in January of 2022, and it kind of feels like we're back, uh, I think Matt was saying, uh, late summer of 2021, uh, where we were just live streaming and we had nobody here, but we have a a small congregation of, right now, Pastor Shirley and myself, <laughs> and the worship team. Uh, so thank you so much for your patience and for your understanding. We really are trying our best to make sure that our community, at least from our programming, remains as safe and as healthy as can be. Um, and <clears throat> Even as we will not be gathering indoors this month, we do encourage you to take advantage of all of our other options that are online or outdoors. Our Sunday morning class and other ministries will connect over Zoom. And a few ministries like the Prime Timers, the Youth Group, the Open Door, they're moving their gatherings outdoors or online where it's safer. And so I, I again, want to encourage you to take advantage of Church in the Park later this month. Um, I think it'll be a great way for us to gather. Even in the surge, we'll be outdoors, so it'll be a little bit safer. And as Pastor Shirley mentioned, we're planning on dim sum, and I know how this congregation is motivated by our tummies. So uh, we hope that you'll come out, enjoy the food, and enjoy the the fellowship with the rest of the congregation. 
Lastly, I want to pass on some really, really good news. Even as we just took our offering this morning, we recognize that the pandemic has been really difficult financially for most people across, across the globe, really. And we've felt the economic impact of what has been happening over the past two and a half years now. Uh, a lot of churches have really been... We've, Every church that I've talked to, every pastor that I've talked to, we've been really sort of anxious about this time because we really don't know what's happening. And because so many people, this pandemic has affected so many people financially, we don't know how that's going to affect the churches as well. This has been a time of transition for every church that I've talked to. People leaving the church, people feeling like this is a good time for transition. And, you know, we want to encourage people always to go where, we, where they feel God is calling them to go. But during this time of transition, when people leave, that affects our giving units. And when new people come, they're just not ready to give at this point. So we see kind of the, the ripple effect in our, in our finances. But uh, after uh, a year of really not knowing how, how things would end up at the end of 2021, I want to report that um, because of your generosity— and because of God's faithfulness, we end the year with a surplus. A surplus that was actually bigger than last year's. Wow. And so I'm really grateful to all of you for your generosity and, your, and God's faithfulness. Uh, our surplus ended up being about $147,000. And so we're just, we're just tremendously thankful. I was reading the email with the news with kind of watery, misty eyes because, um, I don't know, it's just... It, it, we know how difficult this has been, uh, this season has been, and um, to see the congregation step forward and want to support another year of ministry. I was joking with Pastor Shirley yesterday. I was like, I guess God wants us around for another year. So we'll take that as a sign of affirmation from God that um, uh, he's, he's still want, has some, some great plans for us and, and some resources that he wants to bless us with so that we can bless others. So thank you so much uh, for your generosity, and we, we are thankful to God for what he's done for us this year. And so right now, I just want to enter into a short time of prayer just to pray for all of those who are affected by COVID and to also just to give thanks for the generosity and the faithfulness that we've seen over the past year in 2021 as we step into the new year. So let's pray. God, we are so, so thankful uh, at this point because we know that we've been through so, so much. And right now, we, we just want to pause and pray for all of those in the congregation and all of those watching on Evergreen Online right now uh, that have been affected or infected by COVID-19. And we know that um, even with the, as the vaccines have provided a level of protection and safety for us, preventing a lot of people from hospital, uh, hospital stays, we know that just get, having a positive test really sort of changes our schedule and and. It is a massive inconvenience and, and uh, struggle for us, especially for people who have to work and go about their business. Um, so I pray for all of those who are quarantined right now. We pray for all of those who are infected right now with, with this new Omicron variant. We pray, Lord, for your health and for your um, protection and from your, for your healing upon their bodies. Uh, we pray for their, their lungs and their breathing and their taste buds and their uh, olfactory senses. We pray, Lord, that you would bring healing and recovery to their bodies as quickly as possible. I pray for those who are quarantined right now or who have kids or family members who are quarantined, roommates who are quarantined, and how this might, could potentially really affect 
uh, people's work schedules and plans, and sometimes it's more than just an inconvenience, but it's actually just really kind of a, a, a painful experience having to change so much because of um, this virus. And so we pray, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy upon those households that are quarantining at this point. Would you continue to protect them and keep them from um, symptoms and, and pray for a quick recovery? And Lord, we just give you thanks. We give you thanks at the beginning of this year for last year and through all of the turmoil and the chaos and the anxiety and um, uh, fear that we felt throughout the year, uh, the grieving that we experienced, we're, we end the year with a, little, with a little bit of gratitude, actually a lot of gratitude for the surplus that you have blessed us with and provided us with. We pray, Lord, um, that you would help us as a church to... Uh, imagine and to be directed to wonderful ways to be able to use these resources that you've given us. But also, Lord, we, we are grateful for the faithfulness uh, of you and for the generosity of our congregation. God, I'm personally grateful for our bookkeeping and finance staff, Mark, Sandy, and Susan, who continues to help us from all the way over in Taiwan. And we ask, Lord, your blessing upon them this day as they have worked so hard to bring us this news and these, these numbers for the finance committee and for all those uh, who've, who've really blessed us this year through, through their uh, giving. So we thank you, Lord, for this time. And we ask, God, that as we dive into this new year, into this new series this year, that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our lives as we uh, dive into this topic of love and how to live out um, your love and follow your way of love. In Jesus' name, amen. As we started out this year last, last week, I talked about the new uh, annual or, or yearly theme that we're going to be uh, exploring this year, Seasons of Love. And as part of uh, the overall theme, each of our sermon series is actually going to be broken up into different songs. And so I want to introduce to you this morning a little snippet of the first song, I Want to Know What Love Is. So please enjoy. Those of you who uh, remember that song, maybe you remember how big your hair was when you were listening to that song last. Um, you know, as we, um, we hopefully begin to regather this year as a congregation and in our workplaces, in our classrooms, and uh, in our social circles, we do so in a culture, in a current culture right now, that is still tense with division and with conflict from the nation's, con uh, nation's politics 
from the surge, not only in COVID, but the surge in racism or, or exposure to racism, racism that we've seen and the strain from this pandemic. Um, and we're engaging in these relationships. So as we re-engage in culture and in society and in our circles this year, we're engaging in these relationships that may have changed over the last two and a half years. And now we start to ask, as we see these people that maybe we've, we haven't seen for quite a while, is this person from that other political party? Or is this person going to do something that actually feels racist to me? Or is this person vaccinated or is this person not vaccinated? And I believe that what God is calling, to, of calling us to this year is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is to follow the way of love. And as we do so, to, uh, to understand how love is going to influence and impact all of these relationships that we're re-engaging. I think this is God's response to the condition of the world right now. And this year, we'll be exploring what that means in all these different facets and perspectives and how it informs all of these relationships and interactions that we're, we uh, potentially are going to be having this year. Love is a universal human emotion and experience. And in our culture, we are relentlessly bombarded with definitions of what love is. And sometimes it gets hard to discern what's really a good understanding or what's really a good definition of love. And it's one thing as we think about how our culture teaches about love to have a definition from our culture, but as people of faith, how do we define love? How do we know, as the song says, how do we know what love is? In the late 1960s, New Zealand cartoonist Marilyn Grove started sending little cartoon uh, love notes to the man who would eventually become her future husband. And on these cartoons are little characters of the two of them capturing how she felt about him. Now, while working at a printing company in Los Angeles, Marilyn puts together a little booklet of her illustrations and titles it, Love is When... Dot, dot, dot. Love is When. And she sells these little Love is When booklets on her desk for a dollar each. Now, these cartoons eventually are published in the LA Times and then syndicated in over 50 countries and 25 languages under her pen name, Kim. And at the height of its run, this company that she started is making over $6 million a year uh, for uh, Kim or, or Marilyn uh, and her company. This company is now run by Kim's son with British cartoonist Bill Asprey drawing the cartoons under Kim's name. So many of us may, even though we may not have been alive or reading the newspaper during that time, we still may have seen it because these cartoons, uh, comic strips continue to come out today. And I'm sure many of us have seen these, have been influenced by these, uh, and have recognized these Love Is comics as sort of a cultural icon. Now, the cartoons don't try to give us an all-encompassing definition of love. If that were true, the, the cartoon or the comic strip would be one cell and then that was it. That's all you would need. But each week or each Sunday or each, sorry, each day as, they, as these cartoons come out, it gives us a little snapshot, a little different snapshot of what love is in this, in this relationship. 
And they lean into the fact that love can't be described by any single simple statement, but has to be described by the sum of the countless experiences that people have and interactions that we have in a loving relationship. For example, some of the cells, uh, some of the comics say love is, and then uh, one of the more popular ones is saying you're sorry or learning how to say you're sorry. Or love is uh, scratching her back before she falls asleep. Um, there's a lot of different types of comics uh, from this series that, that display these different, different situations. Now, when I say I love you to a person, whether that statement is romantic or platonic, that statement, that declaration of my love really only takes life when I start to demonstrate that to the person. The truth and the action of love are two sides of the same coin. And I think that's what we want to talk about in this series. That's what we're going to be talking about this month, that the action of love is critical to us understanding love. The action of love is critical to us understanding love, that we really only know what love is when we're shown. Now, as with the annual theme, Seasons of Love, uh, which was inspired by the musical Rent, this series, I Want to Know What Love Is, is inspired by the 1984 Foreigner song. And I realized as we were preparing this sermon this week that that was like 40 years ago. <laughs> wow, uh, 40 years is, goes by pretty fast. Regardless, regardless if you now think that Pastor Jason is super old, uh, <laughs> or, or you recognize that you are super old now, um, what I like about this song is what the chorus says. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. And I know you can show me. It's the same premise uh, as the love is comic strips, that love is understood when it is lived out through action, when we can see it in our own lives and when we are shown. Now, at the start of the pandemic, <clears throat> I mentioned before in, in earlier sermons that we were at home so much and, uh, you know, just kind of not exposing ourselves to other people. And so we were, we were spending a lot of time at our, in -ho our home offices and just kind of at, at our house. And so I was finally able to dive a little bit deeper into gardening. And I really was never really good at it, but I felt like, well, we're home so much now that I can actually try kind of to, to give it a good shot. And so... Um, Part of that gardening kind of venture was composting. And I thought, hey, it's better for the environment. We can produce better soil for the garden, get rid of some of our food scraps. And so I went all in. I bought a compost tumbler, one of those things that kind of you can roll and it sort of mixes all the, all the stuff that you put in it. I bought a little sifter to sift out all the, the rocks and the twigs. And I re started reading all of these blogs online about how to make compost. Because I thought, how hard can it be? Turns out it's pretty hard. It's not that easy. Have you ever tried to do something without knowing exactly what you're trying to do? <laughs> I put all these dry leaves and, and different things into the compost, all the, all the, what they call browns, into the compost tumbler. I added food scraps, a little water. That was kind of the recipe that all these blogs were saying, and I just started mixing it. And I thought, okay, you know, it looks like in a couple of months I should see some pretty good results and I should be able to start sprinkling this compost in my garden. 
But that didn't turn out <laughs> to, to be the case. And it was confusing because all, like, I, I think like compost like chili, it, everyone sort of has their own recipe. <laughs> so, you know, people are saying like, oh, add a little ash from the fireplace, add human urine, <laughs> you know, put in your meat scraps, don't put in your meat scraps. Everyone sort of had their own sort of secret ingredient. And so, not knowing what I was supposed to do, I just sort of did everything, <laughs> including the urine. Uh, and I realized that I can read all these blogs online. But in the end, I didn't really know what it was supposed to look like in this process and what it was supposed to really look like when it was done, you know? And so that's where I am grateful for YouTube because people could actually, through the, through the internet, show me what it's supposed to look like through the process and what it's supposed to look like when it's done. And I, I started asking all these gardeners for help. And when things in the pandemic got a little better, I started asking people, hey, can you come over and can you show me uh, what this is supposed to look like? And I remember asking our vice moderator, Wynn, what, what composting, <laughs> what the compost should look like. And I told our moderator, Mika, because she also does a lot of gardening, hey, come over to my house and, sh and show me what, what I'm doing wrong. And I think that's what we're talking about here. That some things we just really need to be shown because it doesn't translate just by giving someone a couple of directions or giving somebody a simple description. And love is also like chili or compost. Everyone sort of has their own spin on it. Everyone sort of has their own idea what it's supposed to be. But for Christians... We ground our understanding of love in something more than just songs or more than just a newspaper comic strip or even advice from good friends. While that may influence, we ground our understanding in, in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's how we understand what love is. As Pastor January and Mide read this morning, um, the book of 1 John chapter 4 says this, starting at verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, last week we revisited the Christians in Corinth as Paul dealt with the, the division of the, that community through his letter to the Corinthian church. Now, the community in 1 John is also dealing with division. They're actually dealing with schism, which means that part of the church actually split off. And so there were leaders that sort of divided and, and kind of caused division in the church. And they took kind of a group and went off from that kind of community in 1 John. The community was physically dividing two, into two groups or, or more. And the letter of 1 John dives into the subject of love because John's trying to use love 
to speak to the situation of schism in the church, to, to speak to the fact that the church is actually dividing, trying to cultivate a loving community. It's saying, okay, these people, yes, they left. And for some reason, we, I'm not really sure what, there's, there's some research on this, but they didn't love us as a community. But First John says, Christians love one another. They're your sisters, your brothers, and Jesus, you, you love one another. And you live out that love together. Now, in Greek literature before the New Testament, in Greek kind of secular literature, or non-Christian literature, excuse me, the verb agapao, to love, the verb to love is actually not a very impactful word compared to what it means in the Bible. And so if you were to look at Greek literature from that time and look at the verb to love, it actually didn't have the potency that we kind of see in it in the Bible. One scholar notes that it generally describes, the verb to love generally describes liking something or being content with something. Sort of like saying, saying sure, it's all right, you know? Now imagine if that's how you express your love to people. I am content with you. Would you marry me? <laughs> um, now for pagan religious writings of the time, other religions, what, when they talked about God or gods loving people, they actually used the word eros. And it usually was in the context of sexual desire. So you can understand how some religions engaged in temple prostitution because that's just how they understood love between a god and a human being. Now, from the Jewish and Christian perspective, that erotic love was so far from what they understood the divine love from God, Yahweh God, to his children. It wasn't a human love that God showed his children. It was a divine love, a supernatural love, because God was, as the, the Jews and the Christians understood, God was a holy creator. And so God was actually the, the author of something that was wholly other, very different so far removed from other expressions of human love. And that's what 1 John is trying to tell us. That love comes from God. Love originates in God. It belongs to God. It finds its source in God. And if you don't know love, then you cannot know God because God is love. And when 1 John tells us that God is love, the text is telling us that God, because God is love, God, that means that God is deeply personal and deeply relational. This is not abstract. It's not removed. God is not some distant person, but he is here. God is here in our business, in our lives, because he cares. The text implies that all God's activity all of God's activity and all of God's actions are loving. Because God is love, everything he does is a show of that love. His creation is love. His act of creating is love. His judgment is love. His provision is love. His protection is love. His faithful presence with us is love. His sacrifice is love. And his discipline even is love. 
And here's the money verses, I think, of this whole section. Verses 9 and 10, where it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for his sins, for our sins, sorry. Now, as Christians, we know what love is because God showed us in Jesus Christ. It was revealed in Jesus. Now, this was revolutionary for the first century because God was defining what divine love looked like. He was flipping everything upside down on its head. Love, actually, for the first time in human history, as it's defined here, isn't a demand of the worshiper. It's not a demand, it's a declaration. Love isn't a demand of the worshiper to offer sacrifice or devotion to the deity. Instead, love is a declaration of God, a declaration that he loves his children. And in the most mind-blowing display of God, flipping all the roles upside down and redefining love for humanity, God shows us that instead of us offering sacrifice for God, God offers sacrifice for us. And you think about that and how mind-blowing and earth-shattering that is. People must have been flabbergasted when they heard this because that flips everything upside down. And it redefines what love is from God to his people. This is agape love, the love of God. Now this week, as we remember and celebrate the legacy and work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights leader and our American Baptist patron saint, we recognize that it was agape love, God's love, that was the foundational value for Dr. King's journey toward what he understood as the beloved community. And I want to read you this little snippet from, um, uh, from the King Institute. And it says this, it says, the core value of the quest for Dr. King's beloved community was, sorry, the King Center, the core value of the quest for Dr. King's beloved community was agape love, which he described as understanding, redeeming goodwill for all. An overflowing love which is purely spontaneous, unmotivated, groundless and creative, the love of God operating in the human heart. He said that agape does not begin by discriminating between worthy and unworthy people. It begins by loving others for their sakes. And that's exactly what 1 John says. Dr. King's understanding of love was rooted in Jesus Christ. And I believe that the world was captivated by Dr. King's work, whether people realized it or not, because there is something revelatory about his work. And that's the kind of love that I want all of us to know too. Let's pray. God, we... as we dive into this, this year of exploring what love is, we understand that as people of faith, as your people, as your children, 
we want to ground that understanding in the person and in the actions of Jesus Christ. Because it is in Jesus, it is in the work that you did through Jesus that we understand what love is. That his life, death, and resurrection show us an aspect of, of love that is far beyond what we could ever imagine. And we recognize that as 1 John declares this, that this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us, that you loved us and sent your son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, that this, this was earth-shattering and mind-blowing to this community 2,000 years ago, and it still continues to have these enormous, enormous impacts on, on us today. As we consider the depth and the power of love that is shown in Jesus Christ, the immense sacrifice, the humility, the focus on others, the inclusivity and all-encompassing nature of that love. And we pray that as we embark on this journey, that you would deepen our understanding so that we might begin to live out this love as we follow its way in our relationships, in our circles, and in the way that we engage the world. In Jesus' name, amen.